0: Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Wayne Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else. And let us all acknowledge and utilize those higher qualities in thought and deed more often, to the benefit of everyone, everywhere, because those higher qualities emanate from the heart of our mighty I Am Presence and contain the power and the energy of the living God that dwells within us. Therefore, through our collective power and illumination, we can radiate enough love and light throughout the earth to heal all humanity and all creation and simultaneously assist in raising mankind to those higher dimensions for which we are all destined. If only, y'all would believe it and proceed with it. Amen. Give thanks and praises for loving and life. And y'all be loved.
1: Jesus was the great teacher and example of obedience to the law of constructive thinking. All his commandments and sayings tend toward the enhancement of life and health and harmony. The reforms that man in mortal consciousness tries to make are all based on destructive ideas set to work in the external. The reform of Jesus is an inner transformation, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He came not to tear down but to build up. If we follow him we shall give our strength and substance and thought force to constructive activity. Jesus taught plainly that the mind was the place of origin of every act. No man can rise except as he lifts the race with him in his thought, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. As by one man sin came into the world so by one man it is taken away. As all were included in the sin of one so all are included in the righteousness of one, and every man stands sinless before God in Christ. Recognition of this will make men free, and the greater the number of men that recognize and declare the truth the sooner will all men know that they are free from sin in Christ. You must build upon faith and the reality of the spiritual. The next step is to put your selfishness away. There cannot be two in this kingdom. It is the kingdom of God, and man must give up. The John the Baptist must recognize the Son of God that is in you, and that this Son must be always active in you in love, life, and power. The kingdom is for the larger man. The personal man must be eliminated. The next step is love, universal love, not the love of earthly possessions, but the love of spiritual things. We must give up the flesh man and all his possessions and at the same time lay hold of the spiritual man. Then we have everything, although apparently we may have nothing. This is a difficult proposition to those who think in terms of material ideas. You must be able to get away from all thought of material things. Love, seeketh not its own, is not puffed up. Love is not selfish. We cannot have selfishness and love at the same time. We cannot have this universal brotherhood unless we love everybody. We must love all because we are all one. There must be in our consciousness a recognition of the universal right of all to all the possessions of the world. Then there must be this inner growth that is a fuller consciousness of the new life which comes with the entering into this kingdom of Christ. The fact is that there is a foundation for this worldwide movement in behalf of purer men and better things for all. There is something back of it all, and the old conditions, diseases, and limitations must pass away. And the time is now ripe for entering into this kingdom, this attainment of the spiritual side of life, this growing of a new body, and every one of us can enter in if we only will to do so. We want the actual overcoming power of Christ. To get this we must appreciate life and enter into it thankfully and heartily, I came that they may have life, and may have it abundantly. This abundant life is always present. When we recognize it and open our consciousness to it, it comes flowing into mind and body with its mighty quickening, healing power, and they are renewed and transformed. Jesus Christ Heals by Charles Fillmore, 1939
0: Unveil, Chapter Thirteen.
1: In his work on anthropology, Professor J.R. Buchanan notes the tendency of the natural gestures to follow the direction of the phrenological organs, the attitude of combativeness being downward and backward, that of hope and spirituality upward and forward, that of firmness upward and backward, and so on. The adepts of hermetic science know this principle so well that they explain the levitation of their own bodies, whenever it happens unawares, by saying that the thought is so intently fixed upon a point above them, that when the body is thoroughly imbued with the astral influence, it follows the mental aspiration and rises into the air, it easily as a cork held beneath the water rises to the surface when its buoyancy is allowed to assert itself. The giddiness felt by certain persons when standing upon the brink of a chasm is explained upon the same principle, Young children, who have little or no imagination and in whom experience has not had sufficient time to develop fear, are seldom, if ever, giddy. But the adult of a certain mental temperament, seeing the chasm and picturing in his imaginative fancy the consequences of a fall, allows himself to be drawn by the attraction of the earth, and unless the spell of fascination be broken, his body will follow his thought to the foot of the precipice. That this giddiness is purely a temperamental affair, is shown in the fact that some persons never experienced the sensation, and inquiry will probably reveal the fact that such are deficient in the imaginative faculty. We have a case in view, a gentleman who in 1858, had so firm a nerve that he horrified the witnesses by standing upon the coping of the Arc de Triomphe, in Paris, with folded arms, and his feet half over the edge, but, having since become short-sighted, was taken with a panic upon attempting to cross a plank walk over the courtyard of a hotel, where the footway was more than two feet and a half wide, and there was no danger. He looked at the flag below, gave his fancy free play, and would have fallen had he not quickly sat down. H. P. Blavatsky It is a dogma of science that perpetual motion is impossible. It is another dogma, that the allegation that the Hermetists discovered the elixir of life, And that certain of them, by partaking of it, prolong their existence far beyond the usual term, is a superstitious absurdity. And the claim that the baser metals have been transmuted into gold, and that the universal solvent was discovered, excites only contemptuous derision in a century which has crowned the edifice of philosophy with copestone of protoplasm. The first is declared a physical impossibility, as much so, according to Bobby Ney, the astronomer, as the levitation of an object without contact, the second, a physiological vagary begotten of a disordered mind, the third, a chemical absurdity. Balfour Stewart says that while the man of science cannot assert that he is intimately acquainted with all the forces of nature, and cannot prove that perpetual motion is impossible, for, in truth, he knows very little of these forces, he does think that he has entered into the spirit and design of nature, and therefore he denies at once the possibility of such a machine. If he has discovered the design of nature, he certainly has not the spirit. For he denies its existence in one sense, and denying spirit, he prevents that perfect understanding of universal law which would redeem modern philosophy from its mortifying dilemmas and mistakes. If Professor B. Stewart's negation is founded upon no better analogy than that of his French contemporary, Bobinet, he is in danger of a like humiliating catastrophe. The universe itself illustrates that actuality of perpetual motion, and the atomic theory, which has proved such a bomb to the exhausted minds of our cosmic explorers, is based upon it. The telescope searching through space, and the microscope probing the mysteries of the little world in a drop of water, reveal the same law in operation, and, as everything below is like everything above, who would presume to say that when the conservation of energy is better understood, and the two additional forces of the capitalists are added to the catalogue of orthodox science, it may not be discovered how to construct a machine which shall run without friction, and supply itself with energy in proportion to its wastes. H.P. Blavatsky Fifty years ago, says the venerable Mr. Delara, a Hamburg paper, quoting from an English one an account of the opening of the Manchester and Liverpool railway, pronounced it a gross fabrication, capping the climax by saying, even so far extends the credulity of the English, the moral is apparent. The recent discovery of the compound called metaline, by an American chemist, makes it appear probable that friction can, in a large degree, be overcome. One thing is certain, when a man shall have discovered the perpetual motion he will be able to understand by analogy all the secrets of nature, progress in direct ratio with resistance. We may say the same of the elixir of life, by which is understood physical life, the soul being of course deathless only by reason of its divine immortal union with spirit. But continual or perpetual does not mean endless. The capitalists have never claimed that either an endless physical life or unending motion is possible. The Hermetic Axiom maintains that only the first cause and its direct emanations, our spirits, scintillas from the eternal central sun which will be reabsorbed by it at the end of time, are incorruptible and eternal. But, in possession of a knowledge of occult natural forces, yet undiscovered by the materialists, they asserted that both physical life and mechanical motion could be prolonged indefinitely. The Philosopher's Stone had more than one meaning attached to its mysterious origin. Says Professor Wilder, the study of alchemy was even more universal than the several writers upon it appear to have known and was always the auxiliary of, if not identical with, the occult sciences of magic, necromancy, and astrology probably from the same fact that they were originally but forms of a spiritualism which was generally extant in all ages of human history. H.P. Blavatsky The
0: I Am Discourses, Volume 14
1: When you have asked for your release from all doubt and all fear, hold the attention upon your beloved I Am Presence and our Great Octave of Life, and ask for our Perfection, our World to come into your World, and do you know what will happen? We pour down the Sacred Fire and Cosmic Light Rays that raise the vibratory action of your World. And when your World is increased to the vibratory action of ours, no evil thing can exist or remain. It is the harmonious, eternal, all-masterful way of controlling everything in manifestation and redeeming the world from that which has been imposed upon it. So come with me, if you will, and you will find the seven mighty Elohim, your elder brothers in the great creative activities of the universe, and as the builders of the incoming perfection, you will know a joy that knows no bounds, you will feel you have come home, and then love will claim its own. You won't want to send out anything except that which produces greater perfection and when you dwell with us in this, you will have forgotten how to be discordant. Do you not think it's worth every effort you could make to reach into this powerhouse for which we are calling, that you may have it for use in your outer world affairs, and you can dwell in the security, love and power of the house of the Almighty. Applause. Thank you so much, precious ones. And may my heart's love ever pour to you the desire and strength in that desire, and give you the power to attain this as quickly as possible. Thank you, and won't you be seated, please. Beloved Elohim Cyclopea Now in that service which the seven mighty Elohim are constantly rendering to life, you do not quite realize just how closely you are connected with our life streams, and yet, the unfed flame in your heart and the sevenfold flame in your forehead are the sacred fire presence of our life in you. May you feel it and know it and let it expand until it has consumed everything that is not our world of perfection forever. Therefore, our love abides with you and gives you the strength and power and the protection that does fulfill your calls. May you have victory without limit and freedom will be yours for eternity. Just give our perfection to life everywhere and you and we will be one in the perfection and manifestations that must come to fill this world, and everything you do will glorify your mighty I Am Presence, will glorify your nation, will glorify your fellowmen, will glorify the universe because you have passed this way. There is nothing superior to that, and it is worth every effort you will ever make. Tonight, I want to leave with you the desire, the strength, the power, and the protection for you to accomplish this, that you may know the greatest joy you have yet experienced, and wherever you abide, It forever expands to the rest of the universe around you. Thank you with all my heart for eternity. Beloved Elohim Cyclopea,